Welcome to Roadcase, the podcast that explores the live music experience. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Josh Rosenberg, and I'll be taking you on a journey through in-depth interviews with performers and key people in the industry to explore the magic of live music, how it can be totally transformative for both fans and performers, and we'll look at how they take it all out on the road. It's going to be a great ride, so here we go. Okay, welcome back to Roadcase, everybody. I am your host, Josh Rosenberg. I am so psyched to be here for this episode featuring a conversation with Jenny Lee. If you're here for the first time to listen to Jenny, welcome to the Roadcase community. If you are a returning listener, thank you so much for your support and welcome back. And as I like to do on every episode, I'd like to remind everyone that there's a number of different ways to get involved in the Roadcase community. One of those ways is super easy. You can just follow us on socials. We are at Roadcase Pod on all those socials, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you'd like to find out more information about this show, you can visit our website. We're at www.roadcasepod.com. I also have an email, info at roadcasepod.com. You can send me uh, your questions, concerns, even suggestions for guests. Say, hey, uh, thanks so much to everyone that sent an email. And if you haven't sent one yet, if you do, I promise I'll get back to you. Uh, another great way to support this podcast is to subscribe to Roadcase on your favorite listening platform. So you're, if you're on Spotify right now, uh, just hit that little box that says follow. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, which is another very popular listening platform, Form up in the upper right hand corner, just hit that check bar or hit that check mark, and that'll subscribe you to the podcast, and you'll get regular updates when new episodes uh, go live. I also to rate and review the podcast is a great way to support this podcast. And uh, if you're on Apple Podcasts, for example, just scroll down a little bit, hit a bunch of stars, and uh, write a nice review, a couple words of encouragement, whatever you like. Uh, really appreciate the support, and I'm so glad that everybody's here. So for this episode, I've got Jenny Lee on the show. She is of the band Warpaint, and she also has some new solo work, uh, her first solo work since her 2015 album, Right On. She is releasing three seven-inch singles uh, called a, and it's part of a new singles club. And uh, to hear her talk about it, it's kind of like a book club for songs. Uh, There are three seven-inch physical singles that are available. They'll also be available on digital stream. The first single has already been released. That was Newtopia and Clinique. And as of the day of the publishing of this episode, December 2nd, the second single will be out uh, with Tickles and Heart Tax. Uh, you can also find out more information about the Singles Club on Instagram at J. Lee Singles Club, or you can go to Jenny's website, JennyLeeLindbergh.com to find out more information about that. Uh, and of course, War Paints has a new album, uh, should be out in May, and they'll be touring as well at that time. So this is a really exciting interview. I had a great time talking to Jenny about how she grew up in Reno, uh, spent a whole bunch of time, moved out to LA when she was like 17 or 18, right after high school, uh, got involved in a number of different creative endeavors that brought her ultimately to to music and to create uh, and get together with the band War Paint and put all that together. It's uh, She's really fun to talk to. I know you really enjoyed this conversation. So thanks to everyone for being here and I want to send a special thanks to Jenny Lee for being here on this episode of Roadcase and here we go.
cool. Hey, Jenny, how are you? Hi, I'm great. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks. So, and um, you're in LA, right? I'm actually in Utah. Oh, you're in Utah. Oh, right, because you guys are. You did something last night, right? Was that with? Was that you or? No, was that another band I'm thinking of? Where did, why are you in Utah? Let's just start with that simple question. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Off to just a rolling start here. <laughs> oh, shoot. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, why am I in Utah? I live in Utah now. So I uh-huh. moved here like uh, about two years ago. So it was ah. just a few months before lockdown. Mm-hmm. And I was just planning on coming here for... Uh, not for long, like maybe just a few months, get, get out of LA. My boyfriend is actually from here. And so the last like five years I've been visiting and spending ah. a lot of time here ah, okay. and I, and I just needed a change of pace. Were you from LA? Were you based in LA? Um, originally, LA? originally I'm from Reno, Nevada, ah. but I've lived, I lived in LA for 20 years. So. Oh, wow. Uh huh. Yeah. We're about, we're about there. Take, mm. your, take your drink. Cut your mid drink. Nope. I, uh, I've, I lived everywhere. I first, when I first moved there, I moved to the Valley, Sherman mm. Oaks. Oh, that's where and I grew then, up. Exactly right there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I lived there for a couple of years and then I lived Miracle Mile area uh, uh-huh. and I lived in Koreatown. Oh, nice. And I lived in Echo Park wow. a bunch of different times. I lived in Los Feliz. I lived in Highland Park. I lived uh-huh. in Mount Washington. Cypress Mount Park. Washington. I don't even know where mm-hmm. that is. There's so many. It's like, east. It's oh. east in a. It's near Highland Park. Ah, okay. Yeah. It's just kind of on the mountain in between Highland Park and right. Echo Park and like Lincoln Heights. My, my middle kid, my daughter, who's now a um, a college sophomore, she looked at um, what's that Occidental, which is out in Highland Park. Oh yeah. So that was yeah, yeah. The Last time I was there was like a couple of years ago. Nice little pocket of humanity there. I liked it. It is. Highland Park's really cool. It's kind of, yeah, it's nice over there. It's not as crazy as like Echo Park or Silver Lake. Right. It's starting to be a bit just because everybody's moving there. That's how it happens. But yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but it's nice hopefully over there. It get, hopefully it won't get too crazy. Yeah, it's really close to that Griffith Park too, which is nice too. Yeah. Um. So what are you, What? where in Utah are you? Just out of curiosity. I'm in Salt Lake City. Oh, Okay. Mm-hmm. It's kind of up and coming town. How do you find it there? Do you like it? I do. I do like it here. It's, um, I don't have very many friends. They're all in LA for the yeah. most part. And yeah. obviously we've been through a pan, you know, we've been in a pandemic, so there right. hasn't been a whole lot of social, social Yeah, not a lot um, of opportunity activities. to get out there and make new friends. <laughs> exactly. Right. But it's a lot more peaceful. It's just a lot more peaceful than LA to me. It's really beautiful. Um, the mountains are large. They're really large and surrounding the whole valley. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah. that's a nice sight to see. Um, yeah, it's just different. It's just, it's definitely a, a change of pace, which I think was really necessary. Yeah. Less hectic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I spent a lot of yeah. time in Salt Lake. I, I, I used to ski a ton. So I would go to, it was my favorite place oh, to yeah. go and then go up. Do you ski, get up into the mountains or? I don't, or? but. I went snowboarding for the first time last year and I loved oh. it. So I'm really excited to do more of it this oh, cool. season. Yeah. Where'd you go? Brighton. I was going to say, yeah, you got to go. Big Cottonwood Canyon is like yeah. the Mecca for snowboarders. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I used to go to Snowboard and Alto, which is like one, the oh, yeah. little Cottonwood, like one canyon down. And um, yeah, that's. It's beautiful up there. It's all good stuff. It's all good yeah. stuff. So, um, 
tell me about this this new singles project that you're doing is really intriguing and I, I, I really love it. I want to talk about that and okay. some of your live performance stuff. I was telling you earlier that I've seen you open up a couple of times, like in Red Rocks and Forest Hills with Warpaint. That was a and those performances were really cool. Um, but talk to me a little bit about the singles club. I love that concept. I love the interaction that you're doing with fans. You're creating these, uh, playlists of songs that, um, fans and people who follow your work suggest to you. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. It's so, and, and then you're, you're issuing these new singles kind of on, um, a t sort of a timetable, I guess, sort of time released capsules of yeah. singles. <laughs> um, and they're really great. I really, I, I really oh, love you. them. Yeah, yeah, it's so cool. I mean, when I first started listening to War Paint a couple of years ago, like you had me at Hello with the Bowie cover, but you know, Aww. and then <laughs> oh, that's so long I mean, ago. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, <laughs> like that was just. I remember when that album, when Scary Monsters, came out. I mean, come on, that was so cool, right? And. Um, uh yeah let's talk about that we'll talk about a little bit um about uh gang of four too oh my god oh, yeah. such great stuff <laughs> oh, god. well tell me a little bit about the singles project and how that's um uh how that came about what your thinking is on that okay so um i had released previously last year a single a seven inch single with um i'm so tired by fugazi mm -hmm. a cover of that and then also mm -hmm. um some things last a long time by Daniel Johnston. And mm. I, uh, I did the, the, the cover art where, where was a painting that I did. And I'm basically, I'm releasing an LP in April, but I, we thought it would be just a little bit of a different way to release some things, you know, until it comes out in April was to just release three, seven inches to kind of carry on the like artistic vision of what I did with those, the previous seven inch last year. I think it was maybe even longer than that with the uh -huh. covers. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, so it was just, the idea was to release three, seven inches, all the covers, all being my paintings. Um, I don't know. It's kind of like not every, you know, you don't always release seven inches with your stuff. It's kind of singles come out digitally and then your LP comes. And I just wanted to do something slightly different. I initially wanted to make like a box, a box set um, instead of the LP. But I think we sort of landed somewhere in the middle as a compromise to so just release three, seven inches and then an LP later. Okay. So just, and I just, so I get it straight. The, does the three, does, uh, is one of the three, seven inches that, um, uh, the cover one with the Daniel Johnston and the Fugazi. No, that's just oh, from okay. last year. So that's no, but that was just to sort of carry on. Carry, what I was you kind doing. of started last. Yeah. and it was like cool and and interesting, and uh, yeah. So you've you've released one seven inch so far with two songs on it. Is yes, that correct. Yes. So that was um, uh, Newtopia and Clinique. Is it like yes. the cosmetics brand? It that's how it's spelled. Yes. How's but it's, it's how is it pronounced? It's pronounced Clinique too, but it's not. Oh. It's not the that brand. Yeah, I figured, I figured that. <laughs> so many interesting not, commercial tie-ins there. No, I don't know. It, I don't want to get it's, into that. I think it's French, maybe. It's French for this, it, like, it, clinic, really. Oh, is it? Okay. I, yeah, it's like, I think that the, the definition of the word clinique is, it means, like, sterile. Not, like, you can't mm. have children, but, like, clean. Like, clinic, clinic. Clinical. Clinical, yeah. Yeah, okay. All right. Yeah, I that's think. Cool. Okay. I should probably Google it and check. little French flair there. Yeah, I don't. It's so funny. I don't. That's not even like this. 
I sometimes when you come up with names of songs or mm-hmm. whatever, just like a point of reference, and I don't even know why we called it Clinique. I have no idea. I, I, <laughs> there was probably something that we said that day that was like, oh yeah, da da da, because it's not. I don't know. It just stuck, and it kind of just has a nice little ring to it. Uh huh. Is that kind of a typical way that things come to you? Sort of like, oh, that's kind of cool. Let's do that. Like, are you impulsive like that? I am. Yes. I mean, in a good. It's definitely in a yeah. good way for sure. Yeah. It's very like stream. I stream of consciousness. If something comes out, you kind of oh, okay. Sort of go with it and try not to think too hard about things. I ah, tend to spin yeah. out when I do, or I see. It's not a negative thing. I just get overwhelmed because there's. There's many things it could be, and it being music or art or you know or, or painting or whatever it is that I do, mm-hmm. I feel like there's too many options, and like I spin out. Yeah, it's easy to do mm-hmm. that. I totally get that. Like if you start thinking about the impact, and like um, yep. like my own personal coach that I work with, she's like, you know. Don't worry about the outcome. Just be de- separate, separated from outcome. Just do your fucking, just fucking do it, right? Yeah, the process. Uh, the process. It's about the process and enjoying the process. Getting and, stuff, getting stuff out there. Yes, right? and just that, getting it out of of yourself. And so when you think too hard about it, you lose the plot a little bit, and then you actually end up being I don't know. You just get really like attached to too many different things, and. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's easier to just sort of go with the flow and commit to that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Have you always been like that? Or is that kind of been the way that you have um, manifested your own creativity over time? Or is that something that you've had to learn? I think Was, I've and, always... Well, like, I guess, like, has it been harder for you at, at different points? I think that um, I've definitely always been like that, for sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. And... Yeah, I think it just it's it's very easy to get lost in your thoughts and lost in the voices and the many opinions that are going on, you know, internally, constantly, every day. Yeah. So I think maybe as time goes on, I get better at not getting lost in it or, you know what I mean, just know that this is – that it's all kind of fleeting and listening to my gut more is definitely – Easier. I feel like I was probably a little more impulsive in a way when I was younger, for sure. But I still have those traits. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, those are hard to get rid of. Yeah. How did did you grow? <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. Well, those are good things <laughs> for if you're a creative artist to have. You know. Yeah. I'm just always kind of curious as to the the creative process as well and how that kind of manifests um, itself in the product that you produce um, and how that is uh, a part of yourself. Is that, um, talk to me a little bit about your educational upbringing and what it, you know, like, what did high school kind of look like for you and manifesting of these creative impulses? I, school, I didn't like school. I, um, yeah, from, from the start, I didn't like school. The fit, my favorite thing about school is just the socializing mm. and seeing my friends and hanging <laughs> yeah. out with my friends and seeing yeah. the boys that I thought were cute. Yeah. And in high school, like my favorite part was not going to school and ditching and hanging out with friends and nice. smoking cigs <laughs> on the cig corner. <laughs> on the cig, just, they call it the cig the corner. Cig corner. Yeah, there was the Where smokers, was that? Where smoker's was that? corner. It was. Not, not, a, not the corner, but what town? Oh, Reno, Nevada. Oh, Reno, right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I just didn't, I 
I don't know. I didn't really, school did not grab me. There wasn't really anything that I was super interested in. Interested in. Mm-hmm. I've always been, when I was little, I had like, I had ADHD for sure. It was very hard for me to focus on things. I would get really easily distracted. I was into a bunch of things. And my mom, instead of like giving me medicine or, you know, forcing me to like stick to something, she, she sort of let me just do it all. She wasn't really invested in, I don't know, me being distracted. It was just like, I want to do piano this week. I want to do softball. I want to do karate. I want to do, I don't know. There are multiple things that I was doing and I'd get into. I want to do Girl Scouts. And I would, it was just like a new thing all the time. And I think I just Mm -hmm. had a lot of energy. Um, I wasn't very studious at all. I, it was hard for me to sit down and focus. And I also wasn't invested even though it was history and math and all these things that you need in science and, you know, this is information that's very valuable, but none of it was interesting to me growing up. Mm. Like I couldn't, I don't know. It's, it's funny that I've, I've had to kind of talk about this, um, a lot recently, just even with like interviews or whatever and talking about it now, I'm like, Oh, I'm sort of like figuring out what's wrong with me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there's nothing wrong but i'm like realizing no, 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 no. realizing it you know what i mean as i'm saying it out loud i'm like oh that's kind of interesting like it's just i'm seeing it from a different perspective but mm-hmm. i i think i had a lot of creative energy and i didn't know what to do with it and i didn't really have any creative outlets growing up right so i started playing music and doing creative you know just exercising my my creative mind when i moved to la from reno i also just didn't really feel wasn't very comfortable growing up in that town for whatever in, reason in Re- Reno, in Reno. Uh-huh. nothing nothing res I did definitely knew I wanted to move probably when I was like 15 and I right. just sort of disengaged with with school and with the place and was my mind was already somewhere else which was in LA mm-hmm. my sister had moved there when I was um like my freshman summer going I was going to be a sophomore. So my sister had moved to LA then. She, she's older. She's older. She's three yeah. years older than me. Uh, okay. Uh huh. And so for my 10th, 11th and 12th grade, I was visiting LA a lot, visiting her and I loved it. I thought it was, it felt way more inspiring to me. I loved the culture. I loved how it just felt like there was opportunity there. It was really diverse. It just was like, it was heavenly like real, to me. Yeah, like a real city. I mean, it doesn't make much. Yeah. Like, open your eyes up from re- after exactly. Being yes, and right. I was there for seventeen years, and so I just was. I was so enamored by yeah, L.A. Yeah. Really, uh-huh. re- and my sister was there, so it felt it felt comfortable. I, you know, I went there and I moved in with her, and she kind of took me under her wing a little bit, and um, yeah, it just felt it felt like a place where I was able to sort of blossom and bloom into into myself now, I guess. And I didn't feel like I was able to do that in Reno for whatever reason, no one to blame. It just wasn't coming out of me and it sort of manifested in other ways, you know, self-destruction. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, not like I wasn't like a drug addict or anything, you know, I, but I I started drinking at a a fairly young age and I like to smoke cigarettes and I like to smoke weed. And it wasn't like I did it every day and I was you know, going crazy, but I still, I think about it and I'm like, that's pretty young, you know, to be experiencing that, you know what I mean? Like, 
And your your mom was, or um, I mean, is, uh, how's your relationship with your parents? Has your dad in the picture? You talked about your mom. My dad, my biological father, has been absent for. I mean, we talk sometimes, but growing mm-hmm. up, he was very absent. Oh, okay. And my, Sorry about I, that. that's okay. Um, my, I have a stepdad, and he's been around since I was like four. Oh, okay. So it, yeah, good relationship. I have a great relationship with oh, him. He's good. a great guy. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah. But um, no, I keep thinking about how you were talking about how, you know, the kind of HD, ADHD tendencies, mm-hmm. which is, uh, uh, you know, latching on to that kind of nomenclature. But still, it was mm-hmm. um, your mom allowed those kind of things. And that's sort of been sticking in my head. Like, that's mm-hmm. kind of a um, uh, an interesting way or kind of a freeing way, it seems, for someone with a creative kid to like you know if you were into this one week and into this one other week and you didn't feel like you were being tamped down and that 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 certainly uh, must have had an impact on you what was that kind of feeling do you sort of look back at that a little bit I I do there's you know it's funny is I've I've thought about this before I feel like if I didn't grow up the way that I grew up I probably wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now I might not have found music I might not have found painting had I been exposed to maybe um, utilizing more creative outlets growing up Mm -hmm. because my mom wasn't, it's almost like she didn't really know she was doing that. I don't think she was actually making like a conscious effort to be like, let, let's let my baby girl flourish and try all these things. It was like, she couldn't be bothered. (laughs) Mm -hmm. She was like, okay, that's what you want to do. Cool. Like I'm just gonna, there were certain things that she definitely was like, no. And it's usually when it required money, like I wanted to play the cello. And she was like, no, do choir because it's free. I wanted to, you know, in school or I wanted Uh to play piano. I actually, you know, we had where we lived in our apartment building, we had like a piano in the the leasing office. And so Uh they would let me play piano and I'd go there and just mess around and make stuff up. But I did that quite a bit and it was really, I enjoyed it. And I felt like I could, it was like one of the activities that I could do where I felt really engaged and could do it for a long time without getting distracted. Oh, um, interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. And my mom, but it was, the piano was too expensive, so I couldn't get a piano. Or even fortunately, a keyboard, really. Fortunately, they had a piano in uh, in the lobby there. Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, I would play it, but then whatever, I moved on and did other things, obviously. But she, you know, growing up, I'm, I actually was frustrated with her because I felt like as I, as an adult that I, there's, there wasn't really a craft that I had perfected or, you know what I mean, at all at that point. So when I graduated from high school, I felt really lost and I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I didn't feel mm-hmm. like I had drive and discipline instilled in my brain. Like mm-hmm. those things, I just, I don't know, there was just a lack of it. And so going to L.A., it was really great to do that because had I stayed in Reno, I might've just went to school and been a psychologist, but there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. But that's obviously like kind of the antithesis of what I'm doing now. Mm -hmm. I think my path would have been, would have just been different. Oh, is that what you're interested in academically with psychology? You've kind of, that was, that was something that that I was drawn to a bit Uh like in high school. It's like, what do you want to be? I didn't really know. 
So it's like, I'll be yeah. an, maybe an architect, maybe a psychologist, or maybe yeah. a cosmetologist. I'll do hair yeah. and give facials and maybe open up a <laughs> salon. Or It was uh, all very big maybe. Maybe yeah. that, maybe this. Like, none of it well, actually sounded... I don't think, yeah, psychology is not like that much of a reach. I mean, you know, you're looking yeah, at the human totally. psyche and human behavior for sure. Like, mm -hmm. you're doing that in your songs and, and yeah. connecting with others. And, and that's a good bit. That's kind of a... That, that sort of makes sense to me. Um the sense that your mom let you do these things because she was just kind of hands off. Yeah, I totally get that. But um, uh, do you sort of wish sometimes that she had kind of had the interest to push you in a particular direction? Maybe. I feel like, yeah, I wanted that when I was younger because I didn't know. And it was like, well, yeah. she didn't know either. You wanted someone to know. <laughs> it's hard to like create that structure, I think, without kind of feeling like you're tamping down a child, really. But I think, you know, if she was just kind of one of those hands off parents is like, eh, I get this talented kid that's like going in different directions, might as well let her do that. And it's interesting that they would let her. Well, I guess it helped that it was your sister that went to L.A., you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Know, probably not going to live. Well, they would have let me. That's the thing is once I turned 18, once I graduated high school, she was just very adamant she wanted me to graduate uh -huh. school. Yeah. It was sort of I could do whatever I wanted. And they were going to pay for college, which was really cool. But they weren't – I just told my mom I was going to take a year off because I wanted to figure it out, go to L.A., live life. I have no idea what I want to do. It seems ludicrous for you guys to pay for college when that's literally the last thing I want to do. I do not want to go back to school. Like I didn't enjoy school. There wasn't right. any, you know, and maybe if there were different types of school, but I just didn't have, I couldn't sit there. It really was like the most miserable thing, just like sitting in those classrooms, sitting still in those classrooms and really just not giving a shit about what I was being taught. You know, right, right. it just felt, it felt like torture a little bit, to be honest. I oh, know yeah, that many sure. people might say, how dare she? She doesn't know what torture is. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Figuratively speaking. Yeah, we're not taking yeah. torture literally. Okay. <laughs> well, you never know these days. I'm not calling Amnesty people. International. She's <laughs> it literally felt like torture. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> mm -mm. Um, so, what were those early days like um, in LA? And when did you start to kind of feel that you were moving in a? When did you start to move kind of in a more concerted music musical direction? I start so I moved to LA and I had gotten I sort of um not sort of I had gotten into like going on commercial auditions I got a commercial and modeling agent so I had done that oh. for a couple I did that for some years mm -hmm. my sister moved to LA she wanted to be a dancer she was a dancer and she also got oh. into modeling and acting mm. so I sort of did that which was great because you made good money and it also allowed you tons of time and freedom to right. exercise, to sort of try things out instead of having to be some, you know what I mean? Have a job. I definitely had jobs for sure, but the commercial thing was really a blessing as I was able to facilitate what I wanted to really do, which was I got into making, I got into making clothes and playing music probably when I was like 18 
mm-hmm. 18 or 19. I got a sewing machine and just started sewing and sort of taught myself, taught myself how to do both. Because you made some cash doing commercials is what you're saying. I did. So you yeah. had the freedom to do. Yes. Yeah. You didn't have to, to try yeah. nine to five. That's fortunate. Yeah. And work on art. And that's- Did you have an agent it. that got you into commercial? What did, how did I you did. get into that? Oh, okay. I did. I had an agent. And again, my sister sort of, my sister did not sort of, I say the word, I say that so much. It's I say harsh. that so much too. So like, much, sort of. It's like, it's not sort of. It's sort of. Yeah. It's, it's actual. It's actual. <laughs> it's real. Dude, because you grew up in the valley. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> we grew up in the same place. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you were- Just in Southern California. Yeah, SoCal. Yeah, well, SoCal. the valley has a little bit to do with it too. Yes, valley. It doesn't valley. hurt. It doesn't help. It doesn't. And you know what? It's okay. But just, I think- I'm 57. I live in Chicago and I still talk like that. I haven't been hearing it. And also, it's just how everyone talks. It's just like, they're weird sub- Yeah, true. Just like sub words, because you just don't want the silence somehow. But I've found the silence is good because it keeps me in the moment instead of just- rambling on or also to slow down so that you're like, okay, I know that I don't want to say sorta right now, so I'm not going to. Instead of just that's all you're thinking of. (laughs) (laughs) Sorta, 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 sorta. sorta, sorta. Oh my goodness. Um okay, my sister helped me get an agent. I actually got in with her agency and then it ended up not being the right fit, so I went and found another uh, another agency. Mm-hmm. Hers was a little more high end, high end modeling and commercials and acting and stuff. And they gotcha. took me because they were super sweet, and you know it was kind of like family at that point. But mm-hmm. I moved somewhere else that felt a little more fitting. And right. yeah, and did that for some years, and it was great. It 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 always. I knew I never really wanted to be an actress, so. Going on commercial auditions and print auditions were was fine, and when you'd book it, be great, you know, be yeah. really great. And I obviously I had a lot of time to work on art and just like express myself. It was it was actually a really beautiful time of just like self expression with no there were no deadlines at first. There were it was just me like exercising exercising my my creative mind through mm-hmm. just different, um, what's the word I'm looking for? There were different, different outlets, but avenues really or, yeah. different yeah. avenues and outlets and, and just, I don't know, letting myself, teaching myself how to do things, going with the flow, figuring it out. It was, it was really cool. Yeah. And how was, how was that kind of foundational for you and what's in, in, in what you're doing today? I feel like it's an, an extension of that for sure. And it has been since we'll say 18. So that's like 22 years of working on, you know, my creative expressions, I'll call mm-hmm. them. Yeah. And yeah, it's back then there wasn't so much technique. It wasn't about technique. It was about the, the, the fluidity, the mm-hmm. fluidity of expression and trying things out. There were no rules and now I, I feel like there's a, it's a combo of that. Like, you know, after so long doing things like that, eventually you're going to need to change if you want to grow with, grow and you want to improve or right. evolve. So you have to introduce new, you have to introduce new techniques or new things. Otherwise you're just, you don't grow and you kind of just stay stagnant. You're yeah. just doing the same things. You can only do that for so long. I think, especially, you know, there's obviously like growing growing stages, growing pains to get to the next level of what 
you're doing. Did you have mentors that kind of you followed or was there, was there a level of structure in your artistic development? I think it started, which it started with clothes. It started mm-hmm. with clothes and I like fashion. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I liked, I liked that being, you know, that was also a really big part of my creative expression was fashion. Mm-hmm. And when I started making my own clothes and doing that, I like really took it to the next level and sort of saw my body as like a canvas mm. to make different things. And that was really fun. I was, I did that for a lot of years and then I started making things for people and I would, you know, just make everything from hand, but it was all, it was it was all original, you know, maybe it would start off by like, I would use the pant pattern. I'd use a pair of jeans I had and I'd make, you know, use that, but then I would sort of alter the pattern in the moment. Right. And a lot of things that I figured out how to do were really happy accidents. Mm-hmm. So I'd start off doing something different and then it would turn into something else and it would be really, I was like, Oh, this is really cool. And so I wasn't really following any patterns, which was like a sort of, let's see where this goes. And then that's also how I paint. And I also learned how to play music very similar way. I just played what I felt like playing. You know, I had learned a couple of songs, had a lot of finger exercises and scales and whatnot to practice. Always on bass. On bass. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I would just spend time jamming out to the drum machine, making up my bass lines for hours a day. Really? Uh Uh-huh. And I also would give myself like – discipline as if I was at school, it's like, okay, you need to make three things today. You need to practice for three hours. You need right. to, it was like, I was pretty disciplined because I also wanted to get better. And I had all this energy. I think that I hadn't been really, I wasn't aware of growing up. I didn't have those outlets. So once I found outlets for my, for me that felt really mm. good where I could engage and focus and really mm-hmm. get lost in it, I was like yeah. obsessed with that feeling. The feeling of accomplishment? Feeling of accomplishment and being able to sit there and do something. The feeling of getting, of not being, like, no one can distract me because I'm really in this moment. And I also really love what I'm doing. That's so cool. But how, and that sounds so different from what you talked about when you were younger about getting into so many different things, but you kind of hone that into uh, like three or four different avenues at that time. Yeah, they just were things I'd never done when I was like, I didn't really have growing up there, there weren't a lot of creative outlets. Like mm. you said, karate, dance, dance is creative. Yeah. Um, softball. There was so many things. It's just, I'm only mentioning three, but there were a lot where I like would do for a couple of years and then I'd move on. Mm. I wouldn't excel in any of them because I got bored. Mm-hmm. So it was, I was just so happy to not be getting bored because I think being bored is like maybe just the worst. It's like the the one thing that I really don't ever want to be bored. Yeah. 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 It's just like, this is boring. It's just so disappointing. (laughs) Yeah. That can be so many manifests itself in so many different ways. Um, but, but that creating that structure for you helped in stemming that level of boredom because did, did it give you kind of a when, when you have sort of a finishing line or some an, an overarching concept in mind you yeah. do, do you stay more engaged yes yeah, nowadays yes 
Absolutely, uh-huh. because back then it would, the, the the deadline was just to get good, like to get better, yeah, to be good yeah. at what I was doing, and to yeah. be proud of what I was doing, and to just keep excelling. Right. So that was, you know, I had a, a real drive for that. Nowadays, it's like you know, you've been doing. I've been doing this stuff for a lot of years and the deadlines help. The deadlines are really, I need the deadlines for sure. Deadlines are motivational. That's for yes, sure. exactly. <laughs> I or don't know if it's a good way or to, I yeah. mean, you get your stuff out, but sometimes yeah. I'm like, oh, I wanted I'm more like, time. Just, but then you sometimes, it, I don't know for me, if I'm handed more time, sometimes I'm like, I'm just going to, uh, what I had was good. Yeah. I don't need more. Yeah. Time. I don't know. Yeah, you don't want to. Yeah. Then you're like, it's like, you're going to overthink it. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Um, when did um, what? T- tell me a little bit about how you initially got into uh, the the band and how that. How long did it take for that to to form? And when did you meet your other bandmates? Mm. So I met um I met Emily first. Um, I actually met her at a casting, which is funny. Oh, uh, in shoot. I was 19 and mm. she, yeah, I was 19. So I don't really know. 21 years ago, mm-hmm. 2000. Okay. And I, yeah, I met her first and then she had moved to LA from Eugene. Teresa and her were best friends. They grew up in Eugene together. So Teresa shortly followed her mm-hmm. to LA. Then I met Teresa and oddly my sister had a roommate at that time and Teresa and the roommate started dating. Okay. So Teresa moved in to my sister's house. Okay. And yeah, that's kind of how all four of us, because my sister started the band with us. She was the first drummer of Warpaint. And ah, that sort of- What's your sister's name? Shannon. Okay. Um, She, yeah, she sort of, um, nope, she did not sort of. Oh, there it is again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I know, I need to calm down. Um, that was sort of how we all met. There it is. That's how we met each other. And we became friends. They, Emily had moved back to Oregon for a minute. Teresa had moved out. We hadn't really hung out for a second. My sister was in New York. She called me and she was like, let's, let's start Mm. a band. And I had been practicing a lot and playing a lot with my boyfriend at the time mm-hmm. who I played a lot of music with him. We even like played some shows. It was just an instrumental band, but I was just playing a lot. And my sister wanted, she wanted to be in a band with me. So she thought, let's be in, a, let's be in a band. Let's ask Emily and Teresa if they want to as well. And they were super keen on it. And then we started in 2004 is when we started the band. Mm-hmm. No, 2004. Is that right? Yeah, we had our first band practice in Valentine's Day, two thousand four. Ah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's quite a while ago. <laughs> yeah, it is. Wow. And we've had—I know—my sister quit twice. Then we had uh, David Orlando, debut Orlando, join the band for a while. Then we had Josh Klinghoffer in the band for a while as a drummer, and then we also had this guy Quinn go on tour with us and play with us for a minute, and then we ended up with Stella. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's quite that's that's quite a while. You've been you've been at this for a long time. What were the early what were the early days like when you finally got kind of the core four members of Warpaint together? What did those early days look like? 
And then you didn't put you didn't put out your first album until 2010. Is that correct? We put out an EP in 2007. Ah, okay. We uh-huh. put the EP out, and then 2010 is when the Fool came out. So that full the the, L, the first LP. Right, right. Mm-hmm. What did those early days look like in terms of being on the road and traveling and touring? Was that kind of local, just California? That's a tough place to be in terms of like getting to other spots. <laughs> yeah, we we did West Coast tours, small mm-hmm. West Coast tours. We did a couple of those with some friends of ours, which was really cool. It was kind of the first experience of tour. And then we, when that LP came out, we when we got the record deal with Rough Trade, mm-hmm. things sort of catapulted into another phase. Yeah, we didn't have to. We weren't touring and touring and touring in vans for years and years, mm. kind of grinding away. Which we still grind. We go. We're on the road a lot, but we went from van. We we had a couple of tours with vans and smaller venues and then went to larger scale venues and and bus life pretty pretty soon after we started touring oh wow that's fortunate yeah it is i mean we definitely toured with vans but it was yes after when the first record was released and we toured for two years two or three years usually we do about two or three years of tour Mm -hmm. before we make the next album Mm mm-hmm and that much touring and going to all of the countries, it was, yes, it it definitely helped. And we were able to be in a bus and do things like that, which made touring much more comfortable. Although being in a van is cool, too. It's just the the driving after the shows sometimes was a little bit of a drag or the waking up super early day of another show and being in the car all day was kind right. of a drag. It just makes you tired. Oh yeah, totally. Makes you really tired and you're just anticipating anticipating on the road driving. It was just like, ah, okay. It was a little which is why we would leave sometimes after the show, but then you're all pumped up and you want to chill and drink yeah, some and beers and like Yeah. And yeah, exactly. Let off some steam. And so that first album was on Rough Trade or was that out you yes. got signed to them? Oh, okay. Uh, you got signed on the back of the EP. Yes. And the success of that. And, yes. And tour. Oh, that's great. That's yes, phenom- exactly. That's phenomenal. And we hadn't really toured at all at that point. Mm-hmm. We had only been playing shows in LA and we played a lot of shows in LA. Mm-hmm. Well, was a we lot would of do residencies. Yeah. And it was it was so much fun. I feel like it's so much different back then, but everybody would come. And so Tell me about like, one of the residencies. Where was that and how and how Spaceland. Uh huh. Spaceland. There was a residency there. We had a residency at Silver Lake Lounge. Mm-hmm. I think we had a residency at, there's this one place, I can't, oh gosh, what You're talking I, like I, a one week or two week kind of thing? It's like for a month, every every Monday mm. they would be, or every Thursday. Yeah. Ah, there was this place. Oh, it was called, it was downtown, sort of near the arts district. I always forget the name of it and it's annoying. Oh, right down, in like total downtown. Yeah, Not like, like arts district. Okay. No, Downtown. Uh-huh. Anyways, there was multiple venues that we, we would do residencies right. and a bunch of people would come and it was super fun. And the residencies are a really good way to get tight with the band because you have to practice all of the time and you want to change it up each Monday or mm, each mm-hmm. night that you do. You want people to come back and do something different. You don't want to replicate the same exact show. So often new, oftentimes new songs were written just for the residency or we would change it, change the songs and be like, oh, let's do it like this. And just a lot of practicing with each other and 
I think that's that definitely contributed to, um, in contributed to our live performances. I think right. that we have a good we have a good like live dynamic with one another because we've just had so many years and hours of practicing with each other that you know we jam a lot on stage too and we wouldn't probably be able to do that if we weren't rehearsing or practicing with each other and jamming and sort of knowing speaking speaking the same language to one another yeah yeah um so do, that that's interesting that do you feel like a great deal of the band's cohesiveness and your direction was sort of developed in those early years of playing a ton Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And we were not afraid to loop, to loop some apart for hours, hours until somebody got up the nerve to change it or (laughs) because we, we were, we were learning and we were figuring out. So you're like, Oh, this feels so good. Like how long can we keep it going? How long can we keep it going? And that's cool. It would be a really long time until something would change, but that's how we would write the songs. But, and we were all patient enough for that. We were patient enough with that process. Mm -hmm. And not a lot of people are, I definitely have played with a ton of people even back then. And they were, they were better but they also just didn't have the patience to loop. And we were all very, it was like, if it, if the loop kept getting better and better, the more we would sink into it mm-hmm. after, you know, however long, a long time, it, it was like, that's when we knew we had a good, we knew we had a good part. It's like every part of the song has to feel that good. You have to be able to loop it for an hour and still love it. Wow. <laughs> you guys, were, I know, smoking, you guys were smoking a lot of weed. Um, <laughs> Wait, that's really (laughs) (laughs) no, but uh, no, it's it's all fucking good. Like, um, but like, who who was loop? Were you looping? Um, like each individual's loop doing their running their own loops of their own instrument. Yes. Or how? So we would play with each other, just like making it super. Then then kind of melding that whole thing. What's going on that camera? Uh, wow, that's crazy. Talk to me a little bit about what that felt like and how crazy that must be mentally. It was. I think that's probably why it never got old is because the interaction of the four of us doing kind of different things and, and also being patient with each other for someone to really sink in and find the part. I think that was more mm. what it was is we, we'll chill here and wait till you find it. You know, wait till you dig in. So if there was like a beat and then I would join in with a bass and yeah. somebody would, you know, then Emily would come in with a guitar. Then Teresa would come in with her guitar or any. It didn't always go in that order. Uh-huh. But usually one person would start and then the next person would join in and then the next and the next. And did it ever yeah. get like too much? It sounds like if you're looping three different parts, that's our, you got 12 things going on. Oh, no, 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 no. Like the loop would be just us playing the same thing with each other. So that would just be four different parts. Oh, not like a loop talking machine, about not like a loop pedal. Electronic. No, 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 okay. no, no. Sorry, just like just in real life, jamming, he, jamming just jamming, jamming. yes, yeah. and okay. but re- and repetition, right. repetitive right. jamming, so that we yes, exactly. Okay. Oh, my bad. No, I no, listen, that's okay. Oh, I, I totally get it. I listen to a lot of jam band stuff. Yeah, I love that. I love yeah. that. Where do you stand with the term art rock? Do you like it? Do you not like it? Is it descriptive for you? It is. I mean, I heard that thrown around a little bit in some of the research that I was doing. I'm okay with that. I feel like that actually best describes, I feel like art rock can be, it can kind of be 
anything. It doesn't mean art rock like isn't dancey. It doesn't mean art rock isn't slow. It doesn't mean art. It's like, I feel like that's a name that is sort of ambiguous, but it also makes sense. So that was a weird answer. You know what I'm saying? I don't, uh, it's, it's kind of neither here nor there. You have the word art in it. So it's like, oh, maybe they're a little experimental. Cool. But it yeah, doesn't mean, it's not giving the genre, it's not giving away the like, yeah, the um, micro genre of the music. So I know that's, that's obviously a genre, but it's not giving away the micro genre, I guess. I mean, art rock, it would have to be rock music, I suppose. But it's kind of so it's yeah, that term just strikes me because like all rock and music can be art. But so what distinguishes that term? How does that term distinguish what you're doing, for example, in a in a unique way? I don't know if it really I guess it's it's a huge yeah. catch. It is, it's a massive catch all for but then it, it kind of has to have a sub meaning to it. I don't I think maybe I sort of take it a little too literally. Art rock. I mean, I get what you're saying. I don't know. It's it's hard with the genres because there's so much different. There's so many kinds of music out there that I think maybe there needs to be more subgenres or I'm not sure. It's But it doesn't bug me when people say that. I feel like I wouldn't say we were just a rock band or mm. we're an R&B band or we're a down-tempo band or we're a jam band or we're – I wouldn't know it. I never, everybody asked me, not everybody, but pe- people who asked me that question, I'm just, all I can say is it's eclectic. So I feel like art rock. Yeah. I don't know. I've never thought about it <laughs> until now. <laughs> it sounds like you have though. <laughs> oh, well, I'm trying to figure it out now. And I'm like, Oh, just be quiet. <laughs> Shoot. Oh, I'm, uh, no, no. Keep talking. Keep talking. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, okay. Going back to the seven inch single. So the second, is there kind of a timeliness of release of these things? There is. So the first seven inch came out last month and then mm-hmm. there's another, then the, the second single is going to come out December 2nd all at once. So I'm going to tease some songs before they come out, but they're released digitally. Both of the songs are released digitally and the seven inches available as well. The okay. same day. And that's the second one. That's the second that's one on December, December 2nd. Mm-hmm. No, I love this concept. I'm sort of like, uh, I'm of the mind when, and this is just my own stupid opinion, of course, but like just the the releasing of singles and such, like, uh, I'd rather just hear the album. I'd rather wait for the album. I don't need to be teased. If I like a band, I don't need to be teased by it. And I'm not making yeah. this a knock on you at all. What I'm yeah, saying yeah. is that I'm laying the foundation for the next thing I'm going to say is like, I love the way that you do this because- You've also got up, you've created your own Instagram based on the singles and you're eliciting opinions from your fans about, um, well, you talked about, uh, tell, tell me the way that you set up the first release where you were talking about how this is a specific pandemic song and you really, and you created like, the, you, you had this open question back in October um, when you created this new Instagram for these singles and you were like, well, tell me some other songs and and that have influenced you as well. Like, um, like you're genuinely interested in what others are saying about the music that's influencing them and also giving them some music and talking about it. I love that back and forth with fans and that kind of interaction that you, and you were on there. Like I didn't, it was like, there was like 150 to 200 (laughs) comments. I'm like, I I only scrolled down a little bit, (laughs) but to read some of your responses, um, 
you know, I don't want to get you in a hole here, but no, I'm, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm thinking like you probably responded to everybody. I, I have no I, idea or as many as you could like that. That's a, that's a lot of effort. What, how did you start? Tell, talk to me a, bit, a little bit about that whole, that whole thing and talking to fans and such. Well, they wanted to call the single releases the singles club, which mm-hmm. I thought that was catchy and that's they, cute. The record label. Did you? I didn't. I, at first I was like, that's kind of, well, I just was like singles club. And I was like, hmm, let me, tr- let me, let me see if I can come up with something, come up with something different. Uh-huh. And it, I was like, you know what? That's, I like it. It's a singles club. I'm releasing three singles. There are three, you know, seven, six singles in the span of two months. Right. It was kind of, it's letting you know, announcing it would be really cool to announce things as a group. This is what mm-hmm. I'm doing. And then we were just trying to talk about how we could elaborate on this club mm-hmm. and how I could start a club, actually start a club with it. And I, and it was initially, let's, let's start a, you know, let's start a club with the songs the you know, a singles club. And I thought that would, that would be cool. But I think after a minute, I don't know, after a minute that might get, I don't want to say boring, but I wanted to, I just wanted it to be, I wanted to branch out just from that, from, from the songs. And so I thought, how could I do this? How could I make this a little bit more interesting where it's just not asking people to pick songs or just how could I, what could I do? So Mm -hmm. came up with, just having an Instagram page because I was like, would I put this on my website? Would there be like newsletters? Would I get people's emails? I want to have participation with the fans or anyone who's interested. I wanted to deepen the dialogue that I have with them, mm-hmm. you know, as opposed to just commenting, thank you, if I get a compliment for them or giving them information about something on Instagram. Mm-hmm. I really don't like being on Instagram very much at all. I feel mm-hmm. like I, I need it. It's it's a wonderful tool for artists to get their, their word out there. It's also really totally. nice to connect to other people and be able to share other people's work. I mm-hmm. love that aspect of it, but it's you always get caught in the scroll gremlin and <laughs> in lose time. And I'm just like, oh, and it makes me feel it, – it feels depressing because also just what's been going on with the world – and I am in Utah and I can, I do tend to feel a bit isolated here and get a little lonely because I don't have a lot of my friends. So I start, I start getting FOMO or just like, oh, everybody's doing something. Everyone's having way more fun than me or I don't know, just you start comparing. Not you, I do. And so it starts to leave me feeling pretty empty and I just don't like it for those reasons. I don't like yeah, being yeah. on it very often. And so I started this page. And I didn't want to follow anyone on this page because I was like, I don't need more. I don't need to be scrolling. Right. I don't you haven't said the one. dirty word of algorithm yet. Yeah. And I, exactly, <laughs> yes. Right. And yeah. Don't even get me started with that. As it's she rolls so her ridiculous. eyes for oh. our viewing, for our viewing audience. <laughs> <laughs> Just the algorithm in general. There's so many ads. Right. And, and you know what? I get it. It's like, well, I have things to sell too. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. But when that's all you're seeing and. Yeah. And, and so you're, you're scrolling through. So you're in you're in Utah. Sorry to interrupt you. That's you, okay. Um, I wanted to hear more about the direction. So yeah, yeah. So you wanted to set up the. So you wanted to set up the website. You didn't want to follow anybody or the the Instagram feed. Uh, yes. You didn't want to follow anybody. Go. Yes. So I didn't. Yes, I didn't. I wanted just to you know have this the singles club. So I started the singles yeah, club, yeah. and the the way to do it was I each song I release that would be the mm. song I would say I get you know pretty vulnerable and do a share about what inspired me to write the song, how I, I was love feeling. It. I love it. 
how I was feeling when I wrote it, mm-hmm. what the lyrics mean to me, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then I encourage others to pick a song and also share a story and share a story that doesn't have to align with my story. Any any song, you know what I mean? Any kind of whatever comes out of them when they read my story, they have an experience. It's There's no real rules about it. It's just if you want to mm. share a story, great. And the first song, the first club was, or the first meeting was Newtopia. And I had written that song during, during the pandemic. So it just happened to be that. But then everybody shared their stories of what they were going on in the pandemic and what songs helped them, which I thought was really cool. The next song Clinique, I said what that song was about, and, you know, I'm in short, I don't need to get in what the song's about, but just, you know, insecurities came up, and so I said, I've, you know, I would love to hear about anybody's stories about being insecure and how they overcame them, overcame them, etc. So then people started sharing their stories and picking a song, and it was, like, so exactly what I needed at that time. It was so mm. nice, just so wonderful to be able to hear people's stories and hear people being vulnerable and everybody is so precious. And it was very, very heartwarming. And I'm, I just want to keep it going and things can change once these singles are done, but it, it just feels really nice to connect to people and to share and be honest and share your story. Like that's actually really, that feels really good too. And there's been a lack of that in my life. Lack of just sharing and connecting with people the last couple of years. So Uh it was just really nice to. Well, yeah. I mean, everyone's sort of been like Mm -hmm. feeling isolated and shit, obviously, for obvious reasons that we didn't like go super into. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Has that, has this COVID break? I I noticed that in looking at your discography, like your last album was like in 2000, was like 2016. But you talked about like having kind of longer breaks and in Mm -hmm. between from album to album. Um, One question. Uh, well, and you're still going to be touring with, with, with war paint. You've got some really cool dates. You have like, uh, you just got put on with, uh, or maybe not just, but recently with Courtney Barnett, when she added the new show at the ACE on yes. December 9th, that's fucking cool. I was but like, we actually aren't doing that show. <laughs> oh, really? We're not doing that show. It's, there's some places still say oh. that we are, but we've no, we late breaking news. I mean, it shouldn't be. We pulled out of the show months ago. Oh, okay. Yeah, huh. we did. We couldn't do right. it. Uh, be it just. Oh. Lot, well, everybody's I, in different. Places I read a right news now. story about you getting put on that, but I didn't read a news story of it being pulled. I didn't go to like. I didn't go to the your website and look at it or Courtney. Or well, anybody. it's, it's like, been took should that. be on there. There's people that I actually people reached out to me yesterday saying, "Oh, you're playing in L.A." So there's still ads oh, going okay. around with I this don't feature. Feel like such an idiot then. No. No, no, no! You shouldn't. <laughs> so why'd you get taken? Why'd you get taken off of the um, of the bill? Well, we didn't get taken. Or, or off. why did that? I'm sorry, that's Uh-oh. bad. That's bad phrasing. Why did that occur? <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, we Emily lives in Oregon. I live in Utah. We were still finishing our album. We're still finishing. It. We're mastering it right now. Mm, okay. There's still things that needed to happen. We would have had to go to L.A. and rehearse for a while. We hadn't played with each other in a while. It just didn't work out. Logistically, it was it felt really hard to pull that together. And I mm. think we really wanted to just focus on finishing this album and giving that all of our energy and time. So that's kind of a unique situation where you were announced on a bill and then like decided, like, no, that's not happening. 
Why wasn't that like decided like, that it wasn't happening when it first was pitched? I know. You would, Not to put yes. you on the spot. No, I'm just kind of curious. We were, there was also schedule conflicts that we were unaware of. So Stella's, ah, okay. on, to, Stella's on tour with Courtney. She's, in, she's playing with her as well. And she also ah, okay. co-produced this last album with her. So ah, all right. she's on tour. And when we agreed, we didn't realize, we didn't realize um, we weren't going to be getting her. She only had a window of time to rehearse with us. And mm-hmm. then it was going to be leaving like a month until we played the show, something like that. That didn't right. work out. It just didn't work out for us. We would, we haven't played a show in a really long time. We wanted to be really rehearsed and we wanted it to be special. And we right. basically were going to be practicing for a week and then a whole month was going to go by and then we'd be playing the show. It didn't work right. out for Emily to go to LA, then go back. She just had a baby a year ago. Yeah. I'm in Utah. It was a lot of like, and eh, yeah, got gotcha. you. A lot of, a lot of tons of moving yes, parts. Yes, a lot of right. obstacles that that felt like unne- just felt a little unnecessary. Also, it's not. It wasn't our, you know, it wasn't our own show, which that's okay. It just yeah. felt like too many pieces. Right, too many right, right, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I get you. I get you. That must have been disappointing to a certain extent, but um, it was. I've seen you play a couple of times. I was telling you, I saw you open, uh, not, not as a headlining, but I saw you, um, uh, you open for my morning jacket at Red Rocks in 2019. Was that, had you played Red Rocks before? Never. So, that oh, was so what, what was that like? Talk to me about that experience. That must've been amazing. It was beautiful. The energy there is intense on its own, just like exuding from the Red Rocks. Yeah. Uh, the audience was amazing. Just the setting, the setting, it mm-hmm. feels like it's, it feels like you're, it's, it's staged. It doesn't feel real when you're there. You're like, what I know, is this? I know. This is crazy. You have to pinch yourself. A co- I was at that yeah. show. I really had to pinch yourself a couple of times, even as a fan, just out there, just like, wow. And I actually flew in to that show. I was late. I had a layover. I was flying day of shows in Utah. Oh, shit. And I had a lay- sketchy. Yeah, and I had a layover. My flight kept getting delayed, delayed, delayed. And I was like, I probably oh could have driven there. I mean, probably it was, it was definitely stressful, really, really stressful. And I got to the venue, the last song that they were, we were sound checking. So I missed the sound check and I could only sound check the like last part of the, Oh man. Of the song. So I was really flustered. And then we went on like 15 minutes after we sound checked because there were people in the audience there while we were sound checking. Yeah, they did like an early entry kind of like listen to sound check sort of situation. Yeah, yeah. So, and then 15 minutes later we went. So it was a little, it was a little flustered, but it was still really beautiful. And it was, I was stressed out for a second. And then I was like, oh, look at, look around. It's just fine. Nothing to be stressed out about. Yeah. And you get a really big crowd too for opening at Red Rocks. I mean, everyone's kind of piles into that place pretty early, I think. Yeah, they want their place because isn't it open seating? First come, first come, first serve. Much of it is much of it, you know. <clears throat> yeah, like a oh. vast majority is GA. Yes, so people like to get yes. there early. Yeah, yeah. What a cool place! And it then is. I saw you, and then that was in 2019. Then like a week later, you opened for Jacket again in uh, in Forest Hills. Yeah, <clears throat> and I was telling you, I got that poster up here behind me from that show. That was really great. I that really was cool enjoyed too. that. You guys have a great, just uh, like a phenomenal vibe. I really oh, love it. Oh, thank you. I really love it. And I read also you you were in support of Harry Styles at one point as well. Uh-huh. Wow. We did that. that? Like? <laughs> I'm going to tell my daughter. I know. Ugh. Actually, it was pretty wild. It was very wild. It was wild when we got asked to do it. I uh-huh. was like, what? That has to be 
that's just so crazy. He's just so it was like, like some massive arena tour. Massive arena tour, but it was in uh, uh, Asia, so in we didn't Asia? do any here. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. It was. Jeez. We went to oh, Thailand, Singapore, Tokyo, a couple of places in Japan. Mm-hmm. It was yeah, it was a couple of weeks, and it was really really fun. Massive arena tour. We. We were just kind of, we actually were a little flabbergasted when we got asked because we're, we just thought, oh, that's interesting. We're such an art rock band. (laughs) (laughs) I'm, I'm shocked that he would want us to open for him. I I thought it was kind of cool because we don't sound, you know, I oftentimes, and it's not like you, when choosing an opener that they need to sound like your band. I Mm. just, I, I was actually just. We were all like, oh, that's cool. He likes our music. That's awesome. It was it was flattering to be asked to go on tour with him. And yeah. although we didn't really listen to him at the time, I was just really excited about the opportunity. And, you know, most of the people in the audience were definitely girls. And yeah. I thought that would be really special for them to be, you know, to see an all-girl band doing their thing. So that was really fun. And just really wild because he's obviously like a massive pop star and to see people going so going crazy for him was also so crazy. It was like, Whoa, this isn't like, Oh yeah. Did you like watch the show from the side or did you like come around or like, we watched from many places. So beside stage, isn't that fun to be able to like do different spots? I fucking love that. Like the opportunity to do that. It's so cool. It is. I love looking at it from different spots during the show. Cause if you're a fan or you're just like, even if you, you just go to a show, yeah. you're not, you know, you know, if you, you're sitting in the audience, it's yes. like always just one spot. Yeah. It's great. Like to go back to soundboard, side stage, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. What was that like in that huge arena in Asia? Was that, did I, was that the first time you'd played in Asia? No, we've been to Asia quite a bit. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. What do you, over, how do you, tell me a little bit about the differences and, um, of audiences, if any. Not really. You know, they're just, uh-huh. they're very invested. Which I love, but they're invested yeah, everywhere. Right. I think just overseas in general, not mm-hmm. going to target any specific market. They're more, um, I'd say, for us, our fans, yeah. they seem they seem more appreciative and more, you know, lovers of the music. I would say than 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 here. I'm not comparing fans, it's just as a um, in general, or just like as a whole when you're playing shows. There. And maybe because you don't get to go there very often. So they're really, really savoring the moment and really excited. That and who there. doesn't get to go there very often? The bands. Look, we don't go to Asia all of the time. So maybe they don't see the bands that they love as much as band. Mm, you know, if you're yeah. from America, you're touring. It's say like, ho-hum, we're going to another war paint show. No. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's, <laughs> I mean, it's very... That's what you're saying. Well... <laughs> I'm saying we don't go there as often as we are here gotcha, and play right. shows here. So yeah, I think yeah, yeah. they are very appreciative of when bands from America or anywhere else come there. Yeah. So you get you get this energy that is really like palpable, just like it it's, it's consuming, and you and you feed off of that energy, and it feels good. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so and you're in this. You've you've already mastered a, a a new album. Can you talk a little bit about like release a release date or for Warpaint? Yes. So we're we we're mastering it right now. Um, we're just like we mastered last week. Then we made tweaks. So we're near the final the final stages. That album comes out in May. Mm-hmm. So 
yeah, and we're going to be overseas touring it when it comes out. Yeah, and you're doing a bunch of Europe dates, right? Yeah. That's what I saw. About like uh-huh. four or five weeks, yes. That'll be cool. Do you like playing in Europe? I do. I do. And 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 for the reason I just said earlier was the energy. Mm-hmm. The energy is really – it's really – we're very well received over there, and, and that feels nice. We get a lot of right. love over there. I think maybe oh, just because cool. our record label – our previous record label, Rough Trade, put out the three yeah. albums, and they're based in they're based in the UK. So we definitely yeah. we broke over there first for sure, and I think that we're we're better received overseas than we are here cool. in the states. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about Gang of Four for a minute before I let okay. you go. I okay. love God. I'm just loving that they got that that the album and they did the with the, the cover album that mm-hmm. came out the tribute getting, album yeah tribute album whatever you want to call it yeah uh tribute album is probably more appropriate well, whatever Same. yeah 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 uh that it's getting so much love i mm-hmm. was in love with the um i don't know what album was the one with natural not in in essence and all that the, the original one with the red cover when it very first came out in like 1979 or 80 oh. i used to play it on college radio at the time and i thought oh. it was just so fucking badass and now to hear these amazing tributes covers I know. um yeah yeah <laughs> i mean uh, tell, tell me about when you learned about them i'm just really curious like I had learned I learned about them maybe when I was I think high school maybe senior year damaged goods I'd heard damaged goods and yeah I hadn't really dealt I didn't dive any deeper than that but I loved loved that song maybe well that that's that album that that song is on also and I read you loved that the change will do you good I always knew it would yeah yeah right that's a line from that album I from that song that I love did you want to do that song on the on the on the tribute. I, did you ask? I definitely did, but it was taken. I feel like it was taken at the time, so yeah, I haven't. Yeah. Um, there was only a few songs that we. I mean, you could pick a bunch if you want, right. but there were songs, obviously, the ones that were already taken that you couldn't do. Oh, they did a couple doubles, so just to make you. Yeah. Oh well. <laughs> flea, it was like one with Flea. I think. Maybe yeah, Flea yeah. Like, I don't know. Who knows? They're like it's whatever. Like, Flea wants spe- to do what he wants, then we're letting him do it. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. Uh, I don't mean uh, but you did paralyze, which is I did really paralyze. Cool. I oh, I love that. I, I that's such a, um, such a great album. Was that an inspiration of, for playing bass for you? Dave Allen was what you know. He was the bass player. I believe he played on the dam, damaged goods. But I had met him also at a festival, and he was super cool. And um, that's I had already liked him as a bass player, obviously, but um. He wasn't like my main inspiration for starting bass, but it was definitely I I favorite bass players when I was learning how to play and still Jaw Wobble and mm. Bernard Edwards. Um Dave Allen also I think is a wonderful bass player. I really like the I don't know, I think it's called UK Rhythms, like post punk. Post punk, post disco. Yeah. Sort of it's like a punky disco. Yeah, yeah, I love that stuff. A little bit. Yeah, kind of like I feel pro- like, proto new wave, but a yeah. style. And the Gang of Four sort of touched a bit mm-hmm. on that in different mm-hmm. times. And so I like the groove of that for sure. It's definitely speaks to me. I, you know, I like that style of music. I like that style of bass playing. Yeah. So, yeah. The the sound was amazing. Do you know what kind of bass Dave Allen played? I love your the Rick and Bacher that you play. I don't. 
I are you don't into the know. are you still playing the Rickenbacker? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Those have great like bouncy kind of boingy sort of yep. sounds but really deep and like Yes, it's like both. I yes. I love. Yes. God Same. damn. Whenever I see a bass player playing a Rick and Byron, I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah, yeah I'm, in. I'm in. Yeah. Because, yes, that's, you're so true. So true right. with that. I love right. it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, well, Jenny, this was really cool to get to know you a little bit yeah. and to share your story with my listeners and uh, talk about singles. And um, uh, I just, I, I really love what you're doing. And it was oh, such, thank a, you so such much. a great pleasure to meet you. Thanks for you taking too. the time. Thanks yeah. for another Los, kind of Los Angelian, <laughs> Reno. Yeah. Biggest, Reno's the biggest little city, city in the world. It sure is. Isn't that what they it's, say? Yeah, they, that <laughs> is what they say. And it is. Yeah. And you, some, you like living at the foot of mountains, apparently. I do. You can be in Tahoe in what, half 20 minutes or something? Well, oh, you mean with Reno? Yeah. From Reno, yeah. Like 25, 30, yeah, yeah depending. Yeah. yeah, I wasn't that far off. Come on. Yeah, you were. 25. No, I, I used to ski <laughs> Slide Mountain uh, when I was a kid. Oh, wow. Uh, that Maybe it's not even there, that ski area, but it was kind of like on the Reno side of, of uh, North Lake Tahoe. I wonder if it's Because you can called... drive up and go to Incline Village yeah. now, right? And it's North Mount Star. Rose. Mount Rose. Mount probably... Rose. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Used to be called Mount Rose slash slime, something like that. I don't know. Oh, maybe. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, long time. I go way back with Tahoe. Yeah. I mean, I grew up in California, like in skiing, like in Tahoe. Oh, nice. It would be like a family vacation kind of thing. So, yeah. Amazing. Did you ever go to Big Bear? I mean, the Big Bear slopes are uh, like Yeah, Tahoe, well, but... we used to ditch school and go to ski during the day, Big Amazing. Bear during the winter. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. That's good. At least you're doing something. Talk about snowboarding. <laughs> yeah. That's like snowboard mecca, you know? Mm. Um. Thanks. Thanks, yes. Jenny. It was Thank great. you so much. Have a Thank good one. Thank you so much for spending the time. Yes. Bye. Uh, bye. Okay, that was Jenny Lee on Road Case. Really had a great time talking to Jenny. Uh, she's got a great sense of humor. I loved laughing with her about a whole bunch of different stuff. She's got a great laugh, and that was um, that just makes it really like a really fun time. Um, and uh, she's got these new singles that are out today, December second. Date of this publication of this episode is the new single "Tickles and with Heart Tax." Um, and Newtopia and Clinique single, the seven inch as well, uh, it was av- is already available. And that's uh, all these singles are being available both in physical format as well as on uh, digital listening platforms. And if you want to find out more about the Jenny Lee Singles Club, you can go to the Instagram J Lee Singles Club, or you can visit Jenny Lee's website, JennyLeeLindberg.com for more information on all that uh, on, on the Singles Club, kind of like a book club for songs. Um, really interesting stuff. Uh, love talking to Jenny about uh, when she moved to Los Angeles uh, and she's just was in so many different um, worlds of creativity. She was in fashion. She liked to design clothes, um, obviously got into music real early and uh, talking to her about her creative process, um, how she kind of would easily get bogged down sometimes and overwhelmed with uh, struggling as ADHD, even as a younger person growing up, being in so many different areas, but how that kind of eventually got sorted out 
fortunately, she was able to support herself at the time doing commercials and other things in, uh, in Los Angeles and had the, the freedom to be able to create and to explore different types of uh, creative work and finally landed on music as a focus with Warpaint, had their first EP in 2007 and the first album, uh, of course, in 2010 on Rough Trades Records. And uh, just really interesting to talk to Jenny also about how she was working these things out and um, how she got together with Warpaint. They've traveled the world. They've toured the world. Of course, we talked about how she would open for Harry Styles, which, of course, I had to tell my daughter about um, in Asia. That was really Really, really interesting. Just a fun conversation with Jenny. Really enjoyed talking with her, and I was glad that she stopped by. And um, thanks for everyone for joining me for this episode of Roadcase as we wind down this season two, which will end on December 24th. And we'll be back with season three starting in late January with a ton of great guests. So make sure you follow us on Instagram. We'll have updates as to uh, new guests and reminders to listen to a variety of different episodes that we published over this last year. On, uh, we will have done 100 episodes uh, during the course of 2021. I'm really proud of that. So thanks everyone for being along for that ride. And I want to thank Jenny Lee, especially for being here on this episode of Roadcase. Thanks again so much for listening. And I'd like to encourage everyone to get involved with Roadcase. You can do so in a number of different ways. You can email me at info at roadcasepod.com with questions, comments, and even suggestions for guests. Or you can follow us on the socials, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We're at Roadcase Pod. And we have a YouTube channel called Roadcase Podcast. And of course, you can subscribe to this podcast on your favorite listening platform. And if you could please rate and review the podcast while you're there, that would be great. So I want to thank Waltzer for this awesome theme music that we have. And I want to thank all of you for tuning in and listening to Roadcase. We have a lot of great episodes coming up, so I'll see you on down the road. Mm -hmm.